Hello, listeners of the FIS Freight and Commodities podcast. That voice, we're going to tell you all about her in this episode. So we've got Fernanda over here, our new communications manager. How are you doing? Hi. Oh, wait, I was waving. (laughs) (laughs) This is a podcast. They can't see me wave. I'm doing well. Good. Glad to hear it. Uh, So for our listeners, Fernanda is our new communications manager. She's going to be leading the team. So running marketing and communications for the whole company, FIS. And in this episode, which is my last episode, we are going to have a conversation. We're going to play three clips that are pretty important to me. And I'd like you to hear them back. Our previous episodes we've had. Uh, the first one is uh, with Chris Hudson, my previous boss, who started this podcast. And I feel his words are relevant to this transition we're about to face. Because I know, Fernanda, you're about to transform our communications. Can I say that? Heck yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like it's the words are relevant. And we'd also play uh, two other clips. One with uh, John B., our CEO, uh, which is also important to me because... It's a contrast to previous CEOs I've interviewed and another one, which is more about the future of the industry and the markets, which I feel is relevant for our listeners. So are you ready to rock and roll? Let's go for it, Mo. So we're going to hear first from Chris Hudson, the man, the myth, the legend. Frankly, I wouldn't have believed that he actually existed, except that I met him once. This is essentially his goodbye, his swan song. It's an important clip. Actually, there are many clips within that interview. I'd recommend people to go back to listen to it. So I had to pick something that really resonated with what's happening now. And in this clip, I asked him if he feels he's achieved what he wanted with the podcast. And he's talking about that. But he also talks a bit about why it started and going forward, why it's important to engage with our customers in this way. And at the same time he was telling me this, he wasn't just handing over the podcast to me, he was handing over a lot of other things. So I was not only excited, but scared and fearful. And uh, it was my goodbye to the guy who led me into this new world I came into. And so as I move on, I feel his words are still very relevant for all our listeners and you. Yeah, definitely. I resonate with that. I feel like the Sherpa that led everyone up uh, Everest, Tenzing. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm halfway up Mount Everest and and Tenzing has gotten me there. Mo, you've gotten me halfway up Everest and now you're like, all right, well, it's dinner time. I got to go. So (laughs) is that similar to what you were feeling when Chris was leaving you not only the podcast, but the entire department. You can sort of say that, but it was sort of that moment when you hear people say, you know, all these wise words of when the student is ready or the teacher (laughs) knows before the student knows that they're ready. It sort of felt like that because I was looking at it as I do comms, marketing, etc. But I was in the world of commodities and freight. And so... I was really scared, but he believed in my potential on what we could do. And so it was that sort of feeling where I was looking over and he was like, yep, you're ready. I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) And so, yes, I believe you are ready to do a lot, a lot more, actually. Let's tamper then. No, let's let's knock that down a notch, that that enthusiasm now. It's a great industry that I'm learning more about every day and through the help of this podcast. Yeah. So let's have a 
listen to this clip and uh, set you on your way. So do you feel that you achieved what you set out? I mean, of course, just running it is achieving it in itself. But do you feel that you achieved what you wanted this to be? I think you realize when you do this kind of thing that one, that there's quite a lot of people doing it and you're competing for people's attention. And there's so much out there now that, you know, podcasting is taking off hugely in the last few years. But I mean, we are a very niche podcast. So you think about actually that audience is quite small. Um, but the number of people who've said that they've listened or you, you can now have resources for, for staff to go, well, this is a way of explaining it. You know, for example, you've, we've got new products, uh, battery metals or pulp and paper. And you can sit down for 20 minutes and go, okay, we're going to have special guests coming in and we're going to really go through the industry in as short space as possible and give you that all in one thing, which you can listen to over and over again in case you've missed a point or anything. It's not like a, a static piece of of written material where you go i'd have to sit down and read this and if that you can it's a it's a completely different medium of of presenting stuff so i think that that has been successful and brokers here other staff members have, have used that as advertising material and ways of education on that it's also got a you know a pretty steady and growing audience not huge but you know it as i said it's a kind of a niche industry and i hope that it continues to to grow after that but um it's just part and parcel of what we're, we're offering here. You know, our main business is obviously brokerage, but there's loads of other conversations about innovation, conversations about well, what's going on out in the market and just engagement on a on a different plane. So you can have that with social media, you can have that with, with videos, you can have that with conferences. That's not necessarily any of those are our main business, but it still plays as part of the wider footprint of the company. So in the way of filling in of other areas and being a point of contact, which is, is different to usual business and, and helps reinforce the other parts of it. I think it's been successful and uh, I think it's got a lot of space to grow and, and go forwards and I hope that it continues to do that. I was listening to that. Uh, it felt like I listened to it for the first time again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm dramatic like that. For me, it highlighted uh, and reminded me as well as others, I'm sure, why the podcast matters in this day and age when we have all the noise, there's a lot of information out there, but for me, it's just a medium, another way to engage and connect with your audience and your customers. They see the prices, they see the commentary on reports. Now they get to hear your voice. How many times do they get to hear uh, analysts and people and experts voices throughout those reports? It's just something else, you know, and uh, coming from a communications background, I know the importance of engagement and what that can do in the long run. When you make it personable, when you, you put a voice or a face to the brand, when you're actually a human and not just AI, hashtag chat, <laughs> GB, <laughs> GBT. GBT. So for me, that's, it just, that's what it reminded me why this matters. It's another way to connect and engage with our customers. This podcast is one of the great differentiators of FIS and it's right on brand. FIS has been a disruptor and an innovator in this industry and being the first to do the podcast and see the value in that channel of communication is definitely one for the books. It also shows people that we know what we're talking about. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that that's where the value of us as a brokerage comes in is that we have the best of the best here in this office and we're going to put them on your screen and in your ears as almost a source of clarity and a sea of noise. So the next clip is you getting to interview our CEO, John B. And that must have been an incredible experience for you. This isn't the first time that you've interviewed a CEO, is it? No. Can you tell us about it? I'm originally a public speaker. I'm a communications expert, or I'd like to think I am. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. (laughs) And one of the things we like to do, whether you're a reporter, journalist, it's about the profile of the people you get to interview. I mean, I don't know if you guys follow Piers Morgan, but he's always bragging about interviewing Ronaldo, pinning him on his Twitter page and posting about it daily and day in and day out. Cristiano, let me start just by asking you, why are you doing this interview with me? Because I like you. (laughs) As simple as that. Well, don't say that in public. (laughs) And as a communications professional, interviewing a CEO you're essentially interviewing the the highest uh, or most valuable employee of that company. So uh, uh, in terms of an employee of the company, it doesn't get higher than that unless you interview the board or a celebrity, etc. So for me, from that perspective, it's important. And from a pride uh, perspective, but it was also a contrast because the previous CEO I interviewed in Lloyd's Banking Group, Charlie Nunn, it was... It's a large company, so he had a whole entourage with him, and it was quite intimidating. There were probably, I don't know, six to 12 uh, staff around just doing sound, cameras, photos. There was a director of communications, PAs, EAs, including this CEO's entourage, and they came, they prepped him what he needed to say, what he couldn't say. And then I had about... 60 seconds to a minute and a half to sit down and just get to know him before they were like, right, you're live. And this was not audio. This was video recording and, you know, interferences while you're interviewing with them saying, you can't say that that's politically incorrect, you know? So having done that to then sit down with John B who's down to earth, personable, he came in alone He's so chilled about it. I got to chat with him. I got to do a whole interview by myself. We had coffee together, you know. It was such a contrast and it was my highlight of my year as an interviewer, you know. And so that's why it's important to me on top of it being the highest downloaded episode we had. (laughs) Yeah, so it it was a high one for me. And, you know, John B is a cool guy and uh, I've probably pinned that on my LinkedIn profile, you know. So that's why it's important to me. And of course, he talks about the freight market going forward in the future. So also great for our listeners, not just for me. So I, like most people, have heard a lot about John B., this absolute titan in the industry. But I've only actually gotten to meet him maybe two or three times. So for those of us who aren't as acquainted, can you tell us a bit more about him? I come from a corporate background, banks, you know, and uh, he's so different. He's, I don't want to use the word unorthodox because I'm, it is in a positive way. He's the opposite of corporate in everything he does. So 
He's very relaxed when he comes in. He's still smart, but smart, casual. He wants people to see him as this fun guy who likes to have a good time, which he is. If you looked at him in the street, you would not think that. You would not think, here comes this titan. You know, he's just another guy. uh, uh, He likes to have a conversation, chat about Burnley football club and how they're doing and uh that's a big uh big point of conversation with him isn't yeah, absolutely because i'm a football fan so i always love that side who's your team um unfortunately well actually <laughs> man united uh it's, it's been a good second half of the season but also with some real lows which i don't want to talk about i've never seen mo squirm as much as he was in that moment when he had to admit that Man United wasn't having a good season. But anyway, back to John. <laughs> the thing that really struck me about John is that before I, I came in, I was obviously stalking FIS the way one would a Tinder date. And I looked up John B's account and I see absolutely nothing the only thing on there was his profile picture was a burnley flag his description was non-existent and then under languages he had full fluency northern sounds about right he's fun he's easygoing he's chilled he's a friendly guy and yeah you would not see him across the street and think there goes a titan you know but i like that because it makes him approachable to anybody you know so for our first episode this year we kick off we kick off fast and strong with our ceo and founder john b here to talk to us about the ffa market in 2022 and looking forward to what's next welcome john thank you yes it's a pleasure to have you here uh so we'll kick off uh my first question for you uh volatility has been the name of the game again uh this year so what's been your take on the roller coaster year last year it's great. Name of the game sounds like an <laughs> ABBA revival song. I'm not very good at karaoke, but I did last year have my birthday and I did play Smoke on the Water on my air guitar, which went down uh, quite funny. But anyway, yeah, so name of the game, volatility. Yes, what a volatile year 22 was. So I've just got a few facts and figures of some of the main commodities we do here. And I just wanted to kind of tell the audience a little bit about what's happened um, in the past sort of 12 months. So we have this, what we call a volatility table. And you know, being a a football fan, Arsenal's at the top. Now today, uh, Cape's at the top, the 180,000 time charter. So last year, the volatility of Cape was 130%. It went up to 38,000 and dropped down to 2,500. So that was quite a big swing. Panamaxes, which is the sort of 74,000, hit a high of 29,000 dollars per day and then dropped down to sort of 9,600 and the Supermax uh, went from 33, less of a drop, 11,800 but some of the other commodities in 2022 also were really volatile, so for example coking coal went to $670 and dropped to 188 uh, fuel oil, which is obviously uh, a big part of uh, freight costs, uh, were as high as over $1,000 for 0.5 Singapore and went down to half that 500 And lastly, um, we've had um, iron ore, which is interesting because that's a real macro product for the global market, Was from went from $79 to $162 
and obviously everyone's talking about carbon, carbon, uh, carbon EUA futures were $59 and went over to $100. So it's a big wake up call, um, you know, for the market. And uh, it's obviously uh, really volatile. So that sounds like you guys had an absolute blast. What contributed to that? What made that interview so fun? I think it goes quite deeper than I make it seem because him being informal, uh, it's not just about being informal. It's the fact that he was himself. And it's one of my values that I'm trying to instill in my career and what I do in, in being great at what you do, but being yourself. And you know, we both know how difficult that is uh, in any type of work where you, you mold yourself to fit in or to make it work. But here's a guy who's like, nope, I'm going to do it how I want and be how I want. Now, some can argue that, oh, he's only doing it now as a CEO. I'm not so sure. Based on the relationships he's made, it feels like he's been like this for a really, really long time, you know? And I feel that that's inspiring. And that's why I really enjoyed it because he was himself. So I was myself and it, it invited me to be myself in everything I do. It really hits a value code for me there. He seems like the kind of guy that you can just kind of sit down, take a breather and be be very open and honest with. And I think that makes interviews more fruitful. So that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the third clip is between Hugh and Richard Stevenson. Hugh's our project manager and uh, Richard Stevenson is uh, a consultant and a friend of John B's. Now, I didn't know too much about him, but upon seeing him work and just speaking with him is a an amazing guy is like an iceberg, you know? Oh my God, it's ridiculous. He's a phenomenal guy to talk to. He just has an encyclopedic knowledge of the industry and, and finance. It's amazing. It's mesmerizing. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is amazing. And we obviously didn't, they did an interview. Uh, so the interview was essentially on EUA pricing or carbon emissions in the shipping world, talking about what that means for the markets and all of that. And this is a new emerging market and not everybody fully understands or is fully involved with. And of course, FIS are looking to be innovators in that. And in this interview, I really love it because he makes it sound so simple. He explains it well. He uses example. He gives context. And for me, this was almost like a perfect interview. I mean, it's just a shame I didn't do the interview, <laughs> you know, but it was amazing to listen to. And I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners do. Uh, we got feedback. It was one of uh, our best interviews. So the importance of it, it highlighted the importance of making communication simple in a new emerging market that's trending right now, talking about carbon in all industries and also shipping emissions. And so that's why I really loved this interview that we're going to listen to. Totally. This is one of those things where when any new regulation is introduced, there's going to be confusion and a bit of chaos in the market. And so this is one thing that FIS does really well is that we become the leaders of the pack and basically draw out this is the roadmap that's going to guide us going into the future. So... 
on Tuesday the 21st, the EUA price tested all-time highs, crossing €95 Euros a tonne. That's a rise of over 25% since the start of the year. The reasons for the surge, according to most key analysts, are a combination of cooler weather forecasts and expectations of lower wind power output. This is because these will lead to more demand for power from Europe's fossil fuel power plants, which need to buy carbon permits in line with their emissions. But what else affects price? In order to answer this, Richard will talk a little about major price movements over recent years. Richard. Thank you. So, clearly when thinking about price, one has to think about the demand and the supply side. So, obviously the weather constraints or the weather variations have an impact on demand, but it's worthwhile referencing supply because that has materially changed over the last Mm. 15 plus years. Specifically when thinking at the beginning in 2005, the, the system has always been to try to project economic output and to project CO2 demand given that output. So, whenever there's a projection and that projection varies from reality, as was the case in 2008 when, let's say, an unexpected economic shock resulted in more allowances than were taken up based on a lack of economic activity. That resulted in an overhang and a compounded supply, which was carried over from year to year and gradually built up. So the earlier low prices in the early 2000s, uh, the early 2010s, was as a result of a compounded oversupply. Mm-hmm. They realized this, made some tweaks from 2016 onwards around the time of the Paris Agreement, and that contraction on the supply side moved hand in hand with price increases. Oh, so that's the uh, MSR, the Market Stability Reserve. Yes, so the Market Stability Reserve, as you say, is is a, was a way to effectively allow a certain amount of credits to be removed or allowances to be removed from the system when they when they reached a certain level of build-up, but then they could be added to the system if there was a shortfall. Mm. So it's a way to regulate the amount of uh, effective supply, which has a price impact. So all other things remaining constant, there's a natural progression for the price to increase. They've actually introduced a program of reducing the number of allowances issued per year. It went up from 1.74 to 2.2%. And that means that there's a natural trajectory towards the upside, where prices, all other things remaining remaining constant, with the same economic activity, the same set of emissions, the number of allowances will decrease, necessarily uh, having a negative for positive price impact. So what you're saying is everything else remaining constant, there will be a steady increase in price over the years to come? There should be, yes. Great interview. Great interview. I now recommend people listen to the whole interview um, a few weeks ago, but this specific clip doesn't necessarily speak on shipping emissions specifically. It's just talking about how supply affects pricing, etc. And you can literally be anybody from any industry and listen to what he says and sort of have an idea. Oh, so this kind of makes sense. This is what it is, you know? And so I, I love it because it's simple, gets to the point, and it can teach a five-year-old. So you'd mentioned that these are the type of interviews that you find really valuable and that you'd, you'd wish that you had been the one to actually do the interview, but nonetheless... This was one of those episodes that really stood out to you. So on this, unfortunately, being your last go, where do you see the podcast going guest wise and and why? Uh, What I would love to see about FIS is more guests to add to the expert knowledge we give. We give a lot of uh, knowledge on what's happening in the markets, the pricing, 
and getting different perspectives of people who can add to that dynamic. But where I feel that it's also critical is the importance of making our communication simple. Uh, what I loved about what Richard did was I felt like a five-year-old could listen to it and understand what he's talking about. You have a really smart five-year-old. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's making it simple because what we need to understand, our customers uh, are, are great in their fields, but they don't know everything. That's why they come to us to, to, to get perspective and insight. And if we can make that simple for them in this world with so much noise and information, that would differentiate us from a lot of people. So I, I feel that this is great. And if we get more guests who can articulate things in that way and add to what we already provide, I think that's what I'd love to see for FIS in the future. Amazing. Me too. Let me see if I can deliver that for you, Mel. <laughs> no problem. Coming right up. I mean, th th that was fantastic. We've heard the first clip with Chris and handing over the mantle to me and me doing to you and why the podcast matters. Uh, another way to engage with our customers. I love the second clip because John inspired me to, to be myself in everything I do. And I hope as you lead communications, you can do it in your own way that you see best fits and can help FIS. And in the last one, you know, making communication simple and finding guests that add uh, to what we already offer and a different perspective. So I, I, I feel that uh, I hope it's not too much of a burden for you. But however, what I would say is don't try and be what we were just move forward because I was very afraid Chris had a way of doing things and he did a great job in everything he did. But what I held to myself was I'm not Chris, I'm me <laughs> and I'm going to do it like this. And this is what, how I can help FIS. So I hope in, in listening to those clips, you have a vision, you can get inspired, but remember just like John B to do things in your own way. So while I put my feelings of abandonment to the side here, we're going to wish Mo all the best in his future endeavors. We know that wherever Mo is going next, incredible things are going to be happening. That being said, we're going to do incredible things here too. So make sure that you're following the Freight and Commodities podcast on your favorite podcasting app on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join us for the next episode. 